and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the third episode of Riverdale Season 3, As Above, So Below. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I'm joined, as always, by Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I'm just so excited that I get to end my week talking to you. I'm so thrilled to talk about Riverdale. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm just, I'm thrilled. <laughs> you are. Were you thrilled with this episode overall? It, um, I don't know if thrilled's the right word, but I felt a lot of emotions, mostly relief that there was no sex trafficking. Yes, that, I'm glad that prediction didn't happen. I was yeah. so convinced, but... Yeah, so far we have not been doing great with our predictions. Archie's still in prison, <laughs> um, no sex trafficking, so I guess you win some, you lose some there. I mean, we're all winners when there's no sex trafficking on Riverdale, <sighs> honestly. We really are. I'm not sure that the underground fight club angle is a whole lot better, but at least it's more shirtless. Actually, they both would have been shirtless. Oh, sorry. Forget I said anything well, about Mary, that. Wow, Mary, always looking on the bright side. <laughs> yes, this episode overall was, there were elements of it that I liked, but there was so much to it that I felt cheated by, which I'll get into when we talk about mostly the bughead stuff and and the uh the stuff with their parents so we'll get into that but but yeah overall it just seemed like really back and forth between this supernatural and then the prison stuff and and the happy opening of the nightclub there's a whole lot that just didn't really feel like it meshed together I think we've talked about this a little bit so far but this season has really been diverting the characters in different directions and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot that they all have in common and are doing together yeah and I think that we're starting to see it come back together a little bit more and I think that's why it was so jarring is that the previous episodes have been very separate with regards to the storylines and on this one it was just kind of shifting back and forth so wildly because I assume it's eventually going to just shift into one uh, but it was get, I couldn't get my head on straight. It was just like back and forth. the The biggest one for me is all of Veronica's stuff that just seems so out of place with the rest of what's going on because there was a little bit, you know, last episode with her trying to get the Innocence uh, Project going and and talking with Archie, but that didn't happen at all this episode. So forget about their relationship, I guess. Where's Monica Posh? <laughs> yeah, really. We can assume that that character doesn't or that uh visiting him was just impossible now that he is both in uh, solitary confinement and that he was in this fight club thing we can assume that she was just diverted from all that action but she has nothing to do with the whole griffins and gargoyles plot either veronica has pretty much been standing and you know fighting her own battles with her father and that's important but i just wish there was a little bit more like, I need one scene in the episode where all the characters sort of sit around and are like, so, Veronica, how's it going? This is what we've been up to, almost, just so that we can feel like they still are friends. I'm not buying any Betty and Veronica friendship when we never see them together. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like they're the same person. They don't look the same, so it's not like a parent trap situation. But I'm just, I'm so confused because I feel like we saw her visit Archie at least 17 times last week in a 42-minute episode. Whereas in this episode, we don't see her with Archie at all, which, yeah, he's in solitary, whatever. But I have to believe that if she tried to visit him and was turned away, 
there would have been some sort of footage of her like righteous indignation. It seems like she's just so focused on her nightclub that she like she cares about nothing else. But then she's like, oh, Archie was supposed to be here for the nightclub. Yeah, we can hope that is just a deleted scene and we can assume it happened. Everyone just kind of has forgotten about Archie already. And I think the other thing is that we haven't gotten that many scenes at school. We had a couple this episode, but they didn't really have anything to do with... There There weren't any hanging out in the student lounge sort of scenes. Everything was just, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to decide to put it in a hallway because we need to show that school has started. Remember, they're in their junior year. It's very important that they're attending their classes at Riverdale High. Well, <laughs> this episode was... I guess they've said the title in all of the episodes this season so far. I can't think back to whether or not they have in every episode of the whole show. But this one was, like, blatantly obvious at the point where Penny says the name of the title, As Above, So Below, which was a 2014 thriller film. And as far as I can tell from the uh, description of the movie, it didn't really have a direct correlation to this episode, when a team of explorers ventures into the catacombs that lie beneath the streets of Paris, they uncover the dark secret that lies within the city of the dead. So besides the fact that it's set in Paris and there's a lot of French in this episode, it's pretty much the only relation I can directly make. I mean, there's also a lot of underground evil in Riverdale is what we've discovered, so. Yeah, there's also a lot of underground coupling. Stop! Oh, okay. Anyways. We'll get to it. Let's start with my least favorite of the three plot lines, just so we can blow yeah, through it. Yeah, let's get it out of the way. Let's go to Fight Club with Archie. This this episode is the first one we've had that I can think of that doesn't have a Jughead voiceover in the beginning. I don't know why, considering we had one in the second episode when Archie went to prison. It's not like it would break some sort of wall. But instead, we just have Archie in prison, he's in solitary confinement, Warden is basically telling him, you know what, you are going to start this fight club, or you're going to join this fight club, and Archie doesn't really seem that upset about it. We haven't gotten anything, he, he's, he wants to escape, but we haven't really had that much uh, remorse coming from him in terms of hurting people. Yeah, okay, so here's my confusion. At the end of the last episode, Archie gets tapped, which I I guess means he's now in... It's like, is that a wrestling reference that he was tapped in? Wow. Anyways. um, (laughs) And so I guess he said no, and that's why he's in solitary confinement? Like, if he had said yes right away, would he have been in his cell? Or, like, are they saying he's in solitary because he started a riot? Like, I don't... None of this makes Wait, sense. Wait, as far to me. as I can tell from this episode, at the beginning they come in and say, "Hey, are you ready?" and he says, "No." So they go, "Okay, one more week in solitary confinement." And then they just put him in the thing. It didn't matter that he had said no. It was kind of like, "We're you're going to do it eventually anyway." Well, he, it's not like he turned around and said, "Yes." No, he said no and then they took him and showed Joaquin getting the crap beat out of him and they were like, "Oh, you're right. You have to say yes or else he is going to leave in a body bag basically." Which I don't know how they can justify all of these injuries. Like isn't somebody paying any attention to these children? Probably not. I mean, we haven't heard anything about Joaquin's family. It is a little more confusing that the serpents don't seem to have cared about Joaquin. I guess they don't know that he's back. Maybe none of the cheerleaders got a good look 
at the fact that he was there last episode. The whole, you need to do this because otherwise we'll hurt your friend. Archie's not even that close with Joaquin. I don't know. It didn't seem that impactful. Archie falls for it every time. Oh, someone will get hurt? Well, I must protect them, even if protecting that person means I will have to actually hurt a lot more people. Right. So Archie, I guess, joins the team. And Joaquin, since he's fine, he's just still on the fighting team. Do you think he was added after Archie said no initially? Or do you think he was already part of this fight club? I mean, he... I could see him already being a part of it, but we all know that Joaquin is unable to win a fight without a shiv, so it probably wasn't a great decision for him to get involved. Yeah. And, and like, Archie, he's no mad dog. He's no moose. Like, none of these guys they were showing are these real big guys. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, KJ Appa has abs and stuff, but they're not, like, these massive specimen, so I just don't feel like... I felt like when you were looking at all the people playing football, what about Archie, besides his leadership skills, made him a good pick for this? Well, it wasn't because of the football. It was because of when he was fighting off three men in full riot gear and actually got a few punches in before he was tackled (laughs) to the ground. But he does have phenomenal leadership skills. They should honestly be worried about exposing the fight club to him because he's going to start some sort of uprising. Yep. So Archie meets the rest of his great team. Uh, His team, we meet Baby Teeth, Thumper, and Peter. And let me tell you, I had to go back and re-listen about eight times to figure out what the final guy's name was, because I assumed it would be something along the lines of Baby Teeth and Thumper. Nope, Peter, nice normal name, which doesn't make the punchline of Archie introducing himself as Archie to be as funny. Because if they all three had, like, crazy names and then Archie's just like, hey guys, I'm Archie, that would have been adorable, in my opinion. Are they all named after rabbits? Like, Peter Rabbit, Thumper's a rabbit from Bambi. Baby teeth could be a ba- it could be a rabbit. They have, rabbits have teeth. Well, okay, two out of three. Two out of three. <laughs> two ways. Two out of three have ridiculous names and two out of three also have rabbit names everyone what's your rabbit name no i'm kidding (laughs) no i'm kidding don't do that so do you think archie because he sounds so childlike when he introduces himself as archie all the time do you think he should start introducing himself as archibald does archie have a middle name that he could introduce himself as do we know because i don't think archie or archibald is great archie frederick Andrews? I think he should no, maybe just know. go by Andrews. But then he can't introduce himself by that because you can't introduce yourself by your own last name. Archie Andrews. Hmm. Archibald Archie Andrews. Not seeing a middle name here. I really think that was so rude of his parents to just give him the name Archibald and no middle name to to work off of. I mean, at least Reggie. His name is Reg- Reginald, which is like... A little more Reginald. I mean, I'm sure Archinald, Archibald, Archinald, Archinald. <laughs> I'm sure Archibald was a popular name in the 40s. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely more popular than it is now. I I don't know. They should have given him a middle name. I just feel like if you're gonna name your child like a stereotypical old person name, you have to give them like a young name that they can choose to go by instead. But these things are in now. Don't you remember reading Twilight? All of those characters had old people names, and they were hot. 
They were hot because they were vampires, though. (laughs) You know what? Season four, write it down now. Riverdale is going to involve vampires. I mean, it could happen this season. Let's be real here. That's so true. So Archie meets the team and... uh, he throws some really freaking weak punches. Can we talk for a yeah. second? They're like, better start hitting that bag. And he's literally just giving it the most cursory effort. I could punch harder than that, not even trying. And I am not a puncher. Yeah, but we saw in one of the first two seasons, we saw Archie practicing on his little punching bag at home. So we know he has some skill at this. I'm just glad it's not like a full body wrestling fight club well, yeah because, because we've seen that archie's not good at yeah, that yeah that would have been so great they're like oh we think you have good leadership skills and you're feisty <laughs> oh whoops you can't wrestle I just, mm. I just love the thread that they wanted him for his leadership skills and not his fighting abilities <laughs> that's what they did he's gonna take over for the warden one day it's gonna be great oh no So Archie gets woken up with one of my favorite phrases, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, which is not scary, no matter how scary the guard tried to make it sound. That's how my dad used to wake me up, like, on Sunday mornings. So, no, not scary. (laughs) I I don't know how I missed that. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey is, like, the nicest way to wake someone up that exists. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. It's like, okay, cool, where's my eggs and bacon? Yep. So Archie does a great slow-mo fight scene and it just one punches the dude and he's out, which... That's why they wanted him. Yeah, but they weren't happy with that because it wasn't... He didn't have good showmanship. You know, if I learned anything from watching all of this Big Brother recently, you've really... You've got to make it... You know, at least give a, a rousing speech before you punch the guy or, you know, do a spin kick. Something. A spin kit. I mean, I think he should have gotten pots and pans and started making circus music. Then everyone would love him when he punched a guy. That's how you get punched. I wonder if you can bring in things. I mean, I know that we got the rules and we said it was a bare knuckles till knockout fight, but I still think I want to see someone get hit with a folding chair. Yeah, like that would have been exciting. You know, I bet the guards would like it a lot better if there were props. So the warden basically gives Archie a little little sit down talk and says, "Look, you can't you can't have one punch. We're going to need more than that." He's like, "You need to satisfy our bloodlust." Yeah, which is just like be a little creepier. I don't know. I mean, could his glasses be any smaller? Could he be oh, any creepier? Well, I figured out. So his glasses, they're straight up Harry Potter glasses. Oh yeah, I know. Like that he's too. got the round lenses. They're not working on him. They are they come across creepy. They come across a little bit like the guy whose face melts in Indiana Jones. I mean, like, no offense to Harry Potter, but the round glasses don't exactly work for him either. <laughs> But they're adorable on him. They're not adorable on this oh, guy. Oh, no, nothing about him is adorable. <laughs> and then uh, the last scene, the last fight scene is just intercut with Josie singing, which we could talk about later. I'm not sure if it made the scene more intense or not. I think the slow-mo one punch was a little more intense. I feel like we didn't get enough, like, sweat dripping, thro- you know, flowing off their bodies. I just feel like you're so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're like more shirtless men, more glistening body. <laughs> I don't know if it just if you're gonna look, they may need to satiate their bloodlust 
But I've got something else they need to satiate <laughs> when I'm watching this show. Oh, no. So Archie wins. Everyone expected that. That kid is a star. And then Archie has a bunch of stuff now. He's got all of Mad Dog stuff, which, like, cool, except... Did Mad Dog get to pick that stuff out and now Archie just gets the hand-me-downs? That's not that cool. Well, and I also feel like Mad Dog probably had to win a lot of fights to get that amount of stuff. Yeah. And then Archie just gets yeah. it in two fights. And in the first one, he got pops. Where was the opportunity for Veronica to slip a note into that takeout? Good point. Didn't think of that. But also, he got pops the first time, but he didn't just order, like, pops for himself. He got pops for everyone, handed them out, and that would have been a really great time for the guards to be like, no, no, we're keeping you separate. It's not a win for the team. It's just for you. And drive some division in between them. But instead, they're building unity. They like each other because Archie's sharing their hamburgers. Like, (laughs) this is not a good lesson. I just really wish we'd gotten a scene of Archie hands out all of the burgers, and then the guards, like, are hitting them out of the people's hands with their batons like no you don't get that that's just for Archie yeah something like that um also I really enjoyed Archie's massive stack of cigarettes not sure why he needs those he's gonna trade them with the guards for what like it doesn't seem like he wants any of this stuff he smashed the bottle of liquor I mean that was probably a poor choice he should have taken up drinking for sure might have might have helped or you could have kept it for medicinal purposes what are the medicinal purposes of rum? Can't you use rum? I mean, I don't know if it makes a difference, but, you know, people, like, cleanse, like, cuts and stuff with alcohol, right? Isn't that a thing? I feel like you've been reading romance novels from, that are set in, like, the 1700s. Look, it's not, it's not fan fiction corner yet. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was also trying to keep track of all of the numbers in this episode to see if they meant anything, because I want my shows, if you're going to give me little details, I'm going to assume they're incredibly important. For example, the fact that the Rock Hammer was in the Count of Monte Cristo book, why that book? Is there a reason? I want to know this. I think the book is just the bright thickness for a rock hammer. Okay, you know what? That's that's not good. <laughs> like, the fact that he's in cell 302, does that mean something? I can't wait until... Everything is meaningless, just like everything on this show, and you've wasted all of this time analyzing it, and I've just been laughing all the way to the bank. Right. Well, Archie plans to escape. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Probably about as good as his football plan. The rock hammer makes me believe that we may get a scene with a poster, and you move the poster, and there's the tunnel behind it. (laughs) Well, okay, here's the... The thing with the rock hammer is it's not like Archie got the rock hammer and he didn't go, oh, maybe Mad Dog was planning to escape. No, instead he said, yeah, I'm sure Mad Dog had this to remind himself of the outside world. What? That doesn't make any sense. It wasn't a reminder. This is a tool. No, Mad Dog's reminder of the outside world was all of the pinup girl calendars, not the hammer. (sighs) Okay. Get your priorities straight, Archie. Archibald. Yeah. And one of those pinup calendars or uh, pinup posters, posters whatever. was in the bunker now. So maybe they all just enjoy the same thing. That's the only pornography available in Riverdale. It's 1950s yeah. pinup porn. I'm not sure if the pinup poster that was in the bunker is something Dilton put there or did Jughead put that there? Betty. Wouldn't put it past her. I mean, I think it's a little insulting if Jughead is like, yes, this is the place where I can have privacy with my girlfriend. Let me put pinup girls <laughs> on the wall real quick. Well, as far as I know, Jughead like doesn't have a bedroom. I mean, now that- He's homeless. 
Yeah, now that FP is home, he's got nothing. I mean, I guess he lives in the bunker now, which is, I mean, better than living in a drive-in theater, so. You're right. Slightly better. Could be worse. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say about the RG plot line is just that Joaquin's eye looks real bad. Yeah, Joaquin, I think, might need some slightly better medical attention. Well, just put some of that rum on it. I'm sure just <laughs> rum right in the eye. I mean, he could drink some and he might not feel the pain so much. Yeah, I think that's that's a good plan. Look, Joaquin's no fighter. He didn't seem to be doing very good. Yeah, he needs a I'm not weapon. sure why he's on the team. Yeah. He also needs a good nickname. Yeah, he needs a nickname. <laughs> and Peter needs a good nickname. <laughs> I wonder if Peter is his nickname and his real name is something stupid. Like, like Archibald? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I feel like Joaquin would do really well in this fight club if they were allowed to have props, though. Give that well, man he- a chair, and in two to four hours, he will have a really good shiv out of one of the chair legs. I I agree. I hope we'll get that maybe next time, since it doesn't appear that Archie's leaving prison anytime soon, if he is assuming that the uh, rock pick is just a symbolism. I'm just worried that if we're like, okay, cool, Archie's in prison now, that's the moment he's going to get out of prison. So I feel like I need to keep saying, oh no, he's going to be out any day now, any week. Do you want him to be in prison? No, I want him to be out of prison, but I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care, honestly. Like, he's not, he's, look, face it this way. When he gets out of prison, it's not like he's going to magically join in on the Griffins and Gargoyles plotline. Like, he's going to go do something with Veronica. It's not going to help integrate to the story. At least he's got his own thing for once. Well, I feel like it would help integrate the story because Archie's what keeps them all together. He's the mayonnaise in that sandwich. And without him, Veronica's just lost. Yes, she is. Speaking of which, (laughs) let's move on to... (laughs) Topic number two, Veronica really likes France. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, what what did she name her speakeasy again? Right. So her speakeasy is called Le, Le Bon Nuit, yeah, I think. That means the, the good night. The good night. I assumed my Canadian friend here would know that, so I didn't bother looking it up. Um, yeah. Le Bon Nuit, which is my French is bad. I don't have an issue with the name of the nightclub exactly. I do. Except, well, okay, my issue is not, like, like a good, the good night, that's fine. I, I think it's it's all cool. Except for the fact that, sorry, speakeasy. I keep calling it a nightclub. But can it really be a speakeasy if there's no alcohol? Well, I'm sure there will be alcohol. Can it really be a speakeasy if Pop is just telling everyone the code to the phone to get in? The code, 642, by the way... Also doesn't have any meaning. I wonder I the tried. relevance of 642. <laughs> it's going to come up at some point. I was I was really hoping it was going to be like the same number as Archie's cell, but nope. So if anyone has any theories, please let me know because I'm still trying to crack this code. If it was longer, it could have been a word. But I mean, I even looked at like phone pads, like what letters match up. Does that mean anything? Nothing. I haven't gotten anything. So Wow. The, the dedication is actually out of this world. Yeah, it's just a bunch of even numbers. Apparently, Pops is in debt. Uh, no surprise there. Actually, a little bit of a surprise there because I thought Hiram like paid it off last season. I guess uh, he just did the bare minimum to keep them afloat. He was like, oh, I'll make your minimum payment on everything and then it's it's on you from there. It might also be in debt because Veronica's clearly been spending bajillions of dollars you know, renovating this basement. 
There's no way that it looked like that and was just chilling. Oh, no, it certainly was not. That was definitely an unfinished basement like six weeks ago, and now it is a fully-fledged uh, speakeasy. Which I like. I like the look of it. Um, I find it hard to believe that it is... It appears to be bigger than Pops, which I guess if it's underground, that makes sense. But, but like, heating and air conditioning alone, that's got to just drive the prices through the roof. That's actually why they're in debt now. It's their utility bills. Yeah, I I, I could believe it. Here's my biggest issue with the speakeasy, besides the fact that there's no alcohol so far, (laughs) is not that I'm trying to, again, not trying to, like, corrupt the youth. Why do you love underage drinking so much? I, I don't. I mean... It's always, look, these shows, they're always going to have one episode where everyone goes and drinks and goes crazy. I think it's more of the fact that I just don't think it's realistic for a town, for a bunch of teenagers in a town to want to pay money to buy fancy non-alcoholic drinks. Like, they're just, why would you buy a fake something instead of just a Coke or whatever? Well, and what I don't understand is this is a small town. It's heavily wooded. Why are these people not just drinking in a clearing in the forest like everybody else did in high school? Because the forest is purely for sex. We've already learned this. Right. Oh, of course. (laughs) Naturally. That and faking your own death. Only reasons the forest exists. And uh, griffins and gargoyles. Right. So the forest is not a good time. Yeah, maybe You're not don't have fun there. in the forest. The forest. I mean, I actually, I feel like Kevin probably had some good times in the forest, but he's also had some I real bad know. times too. Yeah. No, no Kevin and Moose this episode. I mean, there was Kevin, but no Moose. So again, just leaving that whole plot line from last episode hanging. I, I guess they're both just still in the RROTC. I need more information on that, and I also feel like last week we did not adequately address that. We're, they just added Riverdale to the front of ROTC. <laughs> Well, we couldn't just be ROTC, of course. I wonder if that counts as a close but no cigar. Not sure. We didn't really have any other ones this episode. I think so. we'll, we can count RROTC. Yeah, we can retroactively add that to the list. You know, my biggest issue, which I haven't said yet, is the fact that what happened to FP running the speakeasy? That doesn't ap- All of a sudden, Reggie has this job, which I guarantee you just has to do with the actors and their chemistry and has nothing to do with realism because, as far as I know, FP doesn't have a job still. Here's the situation. Reggie does not have time for a job. He has a lot of extracurriculars and probably a heavy course load, too. He's trying to graduate high school on time. And uh, FP is too busy having sex with Betty's mom. That's his job now, I guess. <laughs> that, can't be, that can't be his job. He needs something else. I was so looking forward to this. That was all I wanted. We had a list. We had a list of all these parents that don't have jobs, and this was going to clear one up. So if FP doesn't start working at Pops and or the Speakeasy, I'm going to get real mad. Like, is he just collecting unemployment? Because that's not cool. He's capable maybe, of working. Maybe he gets paid because he, he retired from the Serpent, so he's not getting any money there. You know, Jughead doesn't even have a job, I don't think. So I don't think I don't like we're having any money in that whole family. I well, that's why they're homeless, I guess. But it's like it's gonna get cold soon. I need them to start working. Yeah, they're certainly not gonna be paying their utility bills. They're gonna- Plus, in my mind, the trailer is still just parked out back of Fred Andrews' house. Oh yeah, no, that's canon now. <laughs> it's definitely what is happening. So Penny is threatening that the ghoulies are gonna like destroy the place unless. The ghoulies are hired to protect it, which just yeah. doesn't make any no, sense. No, that's a real thing. No, that's a real thing. Um, where 
in different like neighborhoods. Like this was a whole plot line on Shameless too, where the younger brother uh, was friends with a large man and he would get the large man to stand outside of the establishments. He'd go in and be like, hey, you got to pay for your protection now or else that guy's going to come in. He was making a lot of money. And I think it, it has happened in the real world as well. It's, it's weird to see it in Riverdale, but it's a thing. Well, I, I guess the the idea, the concept makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is there is a 0.0% chance that they would come and not cause any trouble. Which yeah, no, I think if they got the money, they would. That's the whole point. Well, but, but you know, but it's like gonna, they're going to be a whole bunch of serpents coming in there. So it's not like they're going to be just chilling at the club. They're going to have to be, I guess, like being bouncers or something was the gist I got mm. from Penny. No, I don't think so. But I also just feel like why do they need this money for protection if they're the largest supplier of Jingle Jangle in the eastern seaboard? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't think they need the protection. I think it was a good choice that Veronica decided to stand her ground. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a fight at some point and Cheryl will shoot one more arrow and they'll win again and then... I don't know. Just we're we're only three episodes in. There's there's no way any like massive event is gonna happen at this point. Well, but that's what you think, and then you remember that this is Riverdale, and we get instant gratification. So because of all of this stuff going down, and the fact that it's pretty obvious to Veronica that her dad is behind all this, where we have a little side plot where the the girl squad of First Lady Topaz, President Blossom, and Veronica go on a little trek to the ghoulies' side of town. Yeah, they, they're they taking pictures of the the old bar that is now a Jingle Jangle lab uh, so that they can get proof of criminal activity so that they can blackmail Hiram Lodge. Now, the last time somebody tried to blackmail Hiram Lodge, I'm pretty sure they ended up in prison for a murder they didn't commit. So, not a great plan. Well, I don't even know if there is a female prison. As far as I know, you've got the male prison, and then you've got the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. It's very possible that that's just where they would go. So, I'm not sure that they would really care that much. It doesn't seem like Veronica is gonna get in trouble from this, but it just immediately has no effect. Because she tells her dad, here's what's happening, and then, of course, he's gonna just move the you know, lab, which is pretty much what happened. I don't know. It just didn't seem to, like, maybe don't tell him everything you know. Just drop a little hint or something. Well, and then it's the other thing, too, where the sheriff is in her dad's pocket. So, world's quickest inspection. He comes in, looks in two boxes, finds some napkins, and decides, yep, everything's, uh, everything's clear. Also, he basically implies that she needs to pay him for protection, too. Yeah, by saying I'm collecting donations. Yeah, he's like, I'll be back. I'll after come back you and open. pick him up. Yeah, yeah, that was that was ridiculous. I, I Sheriff Mineta is like not even trying to seem legit at all. Uh, also, this again is just another scene that isn't built correctly because we have you know Veronica telling Reggie, "Hey, go hide these like twenty boxes of Jingle Jangle." He hit that fast. She, well, she runs upstairs for, like, two seconds, and we didn't even get the, like, fun clip of, oh, pan around the counter, Reggie's standing on them, or whatever. Like, we need, like, one more second in there to figure out what happened, because otherwise, we just know anything like this that happens in the future, it's just gonna be magically solved. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm trying to get realism out of this show. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for realism, you came to the wrong place. And that's what makes it so fun. But now I'm wondering, is Veronica going to have to pick a side? Does she have to pay either the ghoulies or the sheriff's department in order to get some kind of protection? Or is her speakeasy just going to become like the Wild West if she doesn't? I hope it's the Wild West. I mean, we could take a Western element to this show. See, and if there were a few parents involved, like, I don't know, FP <laughs> helping out, then maybe this would, would add a little more, you know, oomph. Because instead of Penny coming and talking with Veronica, you would have Penny coming and trying to, you know, swing some deal with FP or something. Which I just think, it makes it a little more... Yeah, it just it just adds that real. And I know that that can be... I've heard some people say that they they wish the adults weren't even a part of this show at all and that it was all just the kids. But I think if you're going to make it seem... When you have, like, the sheriff getting involved with a whole group of kids, it feels like how can the kids even possibly beat the sheriff, you know? Because they they don't have money. They don't have jobs. I mean, I guess Veronica has a job, but she's in debt. So... (laughs) It just doesn't seem like there's any logical reason why they should be able to beat him. But if there are some parents involved, at least, you feel like, okay, well, the sheriff can't just come in and and dictate what's going to happen. It's kind of like a pretty little liar situation where it's always so weird whenever the kids are on their own talking to law enforcement. And then it ends up not being at all as big of a deal as it seemed as soon as, like, Spencer's mom comes into the, the room. We need Spencer's mom. Yes, we need something like that. So the opening night happens, and uh, Daddy shows up with... I was going to call him Daddy Warbucks. What's his name? Daddy Lodge. Right, Daddy Lodge shows up with the portrait of Veronica. So predictions right now, pretty sure that portrait is going to have a hidden camera, have some drugs implanted on it. There's something going on. It wasn't just symbolism. I mean, maybe it was, but I'm I'm going to decide, I'm going to give this show the benefit of the doubt and think that that's coming back and that's going to mean something. It definitely means something. It, Even if all it means is, you know, convincing Veronica to go back to her her father, it means something. But I think it definitely has a camera or something. Yeah, why would she want a portrait of herself? And le- I mean, if we don't see in the next couple episodes where that is hung now, I don't know what the point of the move was. Because she didn't look sad that he gave it back to her. Yeah. She's just like, okay, well, thanks. I also, I have a question for you. Do you think that that portrait was painted based off of a photograph? Or do you think they literally made Veronica sit for like six oh, hours? Oh, Veronica definitely sat there. Yeah, there's, I mean, this is like high stakes. She sat there, and it's reminding me of Gilmore Girls, where Rory has to sit and get a painting, and there's, like, a swan or something, or there was supposed to be a swan, but then the swan was not sitting still. I don't know. I feel like this is a thing that happened. I actually do do recognize that. They wanted an oil painting of Rory for her grandfather's... Right. Um, study, I think. I might be I might be imagining the swan. No, I think there was definitely supposed <laughs> to be a swan, and then I feel like there's some sort of callback to when Jess got punched in the face by a swan. Oh, good times. Good That's times. one of my all-time favorite moments. So opening night was pretty good overall. Uh, nothing really major went down. Cheryl and Tony arrive. Everyone apparently is just friends now, so there's we don't have any tension there. We even got a nice hashtag kind comments which was written on the uh, photo that Cheryl took of Veronica and posted on, I'm assuming, Instagram. I also really liked uh, that they became club promoters 
uh, they did not have to apply. They did not have to interview. They were just handed receipts, uh, not receipts, uh, invitations, and uh, now they're club promoters. Yeah, and they get free drinks and no cover charge. So, cool. Uh, I guess we'll be seeing them hanging out there. I mean, if they if we see them hanging out anywhere else, I don't know what the purpose is. Like, just, you have no cover, you have free drinks, go hang out in this cushy bar at all times. Yeah, it's a much I would. nicer place than anywhere else they're going to be able to hang out. Yeah, especially the uh, random serpent girl area. I'm assuming that little place where they were taking pictures is just for the serpent women or something, because there was a big sign that said something about serpent queens or serpents, serpets, which is, I, I really oh, liked that. I don't. That naming. I don't care <laughs> It's for really that. hard to say. And but. I only recognize one serpent queen, Betty. <laughs> yeah, well, Betty's a warrior queen, so. Well, I don't even know. What, like, what's happening with the serpents at this point? They need Wait. some strong leadership <laughs> of someone who's maybe not still in high school. Well, okay. Yeah, theoretically maybe it should be FP. Because yeah. FP doesn't have a job. He's just going to come back to the serpents. It's going to be a, just a joke that every couple weeks he tries to retire, but he never can. I mean, do you think that's a paid position? How much do you get paid to be the head of a gang that doesn't sell drugs or have any source of income? Nothing. It's definitely not a paid... It's just uh, symbolic, so you can pass it down to your children. Oh, my God. It's a legacy system. What a mess. At least the ghoulies have a reason to be a gang. Uh, I guess. I mean, they have their, they have their drug thing going on, but honestly, I'm not going to recognize them as important until they start doing something other than Jingle Jangle. You know what? Fair enough. I like their rhinestones, though, so I'm into that. The uh, the opening night scene, we've got the Josie who's singing Anything Goes. Uh, it's a very sultry version of Any- Anything Goes. I-, I enjoyed it. thought that was good. I-, I-, I like that there are these backup dancers sort of behind the curtain, but are we just are we just taking out the Pussycats completely? Like, she's gone solo. There's not going to be... Yeah, there's no recasting. There's no pretending. Because you could have had at least, you know, pretending that... She was still part of a band. I'm trying to think I, about the movie Josie and the Pussycats. Isn't there, like, a point where she kind of goes off on her own before they, they come back together? I can't say I've ever seen that movie. It's been at but... least 15 years since I've seen that movie, so I have no recollection of it. Based on the plot of the Cheetah Girls, which I'm deciding is a similar thing, uh, I would believe that that's probably true. I mean, I they're similar enough. <laughs> There's definitely, they, there's definitely they, something in They common. don't save a dog from, like, a sewer grate in um, Josie and the Pussycats. Best climax of any <laughs> Disney Channel original movie ever. How dare you? <laughs> it's my favorite. So, yeah, the whole opening night thing just wraps up with Veronica and Hiram. Typically, she's like, hey, so you probably moved those drugs. And he goes, what drugs? And that's it. Uh, relatively little conflict. I'm sure that everyone really liked their uh, virgin martinis. Virgin martinis? Can you even have that? I mean, what would that even be? Is like, that just an olive in a glass? <laughs> an olive in a glass, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you could have, you could have like, virgin daiquiris. Virgin margaritas. Margaritas, I guess. So, I mean, it's not like... Look, I have, I have ordered many a Shirley Temple in my life. So, I get it. I get the, the, the appeal but I just don't know where these kids are coming up with the money. Plus, it's a valet parking system, and there was clearly no one in the actual Pops area, and the whole upstairs was, like, lights turned off. Is it not still 
You know what? Pops had to close at night so that the speakeasy could open. But then how do they get into the speakeasy if Pops is closed? It doesn't make any sense. They have to dial it's the It's not phone. a speakeasy. It's not a speakeasy unless it has, like, a separate door. Like, unless you're coming in. If you're going in, I mean, I know that there are speakeasies in the back of restaurants. That makes sense. But you can't just have a line going out the front door of a restaurant into the speakeasy. Then it's calling attention you can, to honestly, it. Honestly, you can never have a line. Yeah, you can't. It needs to be like, you come in, you sit at the tables of Pops, you have to order a hamburger, and then you open up your hamburger and your pickles are shaped into the password, and then that's how you know it's your turn. Intricate. Or you could get a hamburger, and when you finish the burger, it's like written on the inside of the packaging, rather than like a weird pickle code, but (laughs) okay. (laughs) I like like the pickle code idea. We need Pop to have something to do. I mean, and you always need extra pickles, so. Yeah. Well, the uh, yeah, the Veronica plotline, it was, it was fun, but it didn't really integrate into pretty much anything else besides the fact that we know that something's gonna happen with her and her father at some point coming up soon. Maybe we'll see. Well, and I feel like the point of having all of these little confrontations is that it is supposed to raise the stakes and it is supposed to get us excited about whatever's coming, and supposed to raise the tension. But there is no tension. It doesn't really feel like there are any stakes, and it just feels like such a waste of time. Because the worst that's going to happen is, you know, there being a fight between the serpents and the ghoulies again, or Sheriff Mineta somehow getting involved. Like, this is not a big bad, you know? Like, the big bad is the Gargoyle King. With this little plotline, it's just Veronica and her father fighting, and... Nothing is going to, I mean, you know, maybe someone will get hurt in the crossfire and then I'm sure they'll be fine because we've already had two deaths this season, so we can't have more. Someone's going to get arrested and just randomly sent to Leopold and Loeb for no reason with no explanation, like Joaquin. Yeah, but by the by the time they get there, Archie will probably have gotten some headway on that tunnel that he's been working on. I just really, at this point, want Archie to serve his full sentence. <laughs> It would be really great. It would be at least another four seasons of the show, though, the way it's been going so far. Do you think we're going to get four more seasons of this show? Uh, I could see five seasons total. Okay. So no. <laughs> that was your answer. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, so let's move on to the Betty and Jughead right. section of the episode, which had the most meat, but also was the most similar to the last episode. Kind of just felt like a direct continuation, which I guess is good. Look, let me let me just clear up here. Guys, I like this show. I enjoy it. It's it. Th- there's a reason that I've decided to podcast about it. It's fun. But it's also very frustrating. And the, the fact that Betty and Jughead have spent so much time working on this plot line by themselves without it being integrated into the rest of the... You know what? Never mind. I just remembered the end of the episode. We're going to have the integration soon, so... I shouldn't be complaining. See, so you, I feel like the reason why this is a fun show to talk about is because it is so ridiculous. Like, would we want to talk about a show that made sense? No, that's boring. Um, Would we want to talk about a show that's like crazy and needs all these predictions and stuff? You would because you put in all of the work. But I'm a lazy bee, and I am not willing to do that. So this is what we had to do in order to have a weekly podcast, and I think people should just be grateful for it. And I'm sure that everyone has similar opinions. Oh, yeah. There are just very few people that I've talked to that 
can only say, you know, positive or negative things. There's a, there's a mix. Nobody is watching and this show exclusively saying they love it. You, you would have to be just really forgiving, but, but it's, it's okay. Look, it's a CW show. I'm okay with it. So, Betty and Jughead apparently are living in, in this bunker. bunker, which I don't know if that bed was already in there, and that was, I don't remember seeing it when we saw the bunker the first time. Either way, okay, here is what, <laughs> here's what's bothering me about the Betty and Jughead stuff. And we can extend this into it's what the, it's what's bothering me about the FP and Alice section. I don't want to talk about we that. Just, <laughs> we cut a bunch of scenes of couples lying in bed together, scantily clad, fill in the blank. Except we're filling in the blank. Every single one of those was, I don't even know if we had like a single kiss in this episode. Besides, you know, just like a casual, oh, Jughead, you know, peck on the forehead or something but there there what there's no more all of these couples are so established that they've just decided we don't need to have any moments of them actually having a relationship instead it's just like yeah yeah they're together look they slept together again and and i'm supposed to care i, I mean i don't i get like oh oh but that's it and then we just talk about the gargoyle king I just feel like so many of your frustrations with this episode go back to your extreme level of thirst and like it's fine just accept it. Um I I want to know where the mattress came from going back to that. Was it always Wait, there? Where the mattress Did came they from? find it in a dumpster? Are they going to get bed bugs like I think bed bugs are probably the least of their worries. But I mean, if if the mattress was already there and it was Dilton's, that's creepy. I just I don't like the concept of sleep. Like unless they really cleaned it and got new sheets and everything, which I doubt. They can't I mean, afford I, new I sheets. Past... None of them have a job. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it past Betty to do that because she just know, brings I'm her sure sheets from home. She lives in the bunker. Yeah, though. like I could I could believe that. It's fine. We can move on to it. Oh, except here's what I'm not going to move on from is Jughead's tattoo is on his other arm and that's bothering me. Wait, what? I don't know if this was, <laughs> I don't know if this is a thing that's just this season, which would make more sense because we are complaining about how it, how it was like directly on top of scar tissue. If, if they switch shoulders, I'm okay with it, but it's definitely different than where it was last season. So we don't ever see his other shoulder. Maybe maybe he's got him on both shoulders. I don't really think that's a look. Double serpent like is a look. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of need to pick. But yeah, it's definitely on the other arm now. That actually so. makes a lot of sense, though. If Maybe we'll get a shirtless scene of Jughead and we'll see like some scar tissue on the other shoulder. I, I hope so. That would actually add a um, lot of realism and continuity to this show. Yeah, plus it would add a shirtless scene. So, you know, I'm for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Betty and Jughead are you know they don't have they don't have a murder board exactly but they have a gargoyle board they, they i don't know we need a name a for that conspiracy board conspiracy board okay i'm good with it so they have one of those that's in the bunker i also don't like the idea of taking over the bunker because they know that ethel at least knows about this place already so at any point they could be walked in on I mean, it's not that private. I mean, they could be into that. We don't know. Uh, the other thing, too, though, is, though, they know that the bunker has, like, like this extreme connection to the Griffins and Gargoyles plotline. Um, if they think that's evil, maybe they should avoid the bunker. I think that we've established there's a little bit of evil in them <laughs> anyway. 
they both have a darkness inside of them. It's why they work so So, well together. I think it's okay. I think it's that part. I'm not complaining about that part, actually. I think we're good with it. Um, There is a little tiny little cute moment with Betty and Jughead where she tells him that he needs to dress nicely for the speakeasy opening. And he's like, ooh, what you talking about? I look fine. And he's just wearing a t-shirt. His shirts have also definitely gotten tighter. I mean, it might just be Cole Sprouse working out. Either I way. Think, uh, it might even not be Cole Sprouse working out. It could be the wardrobe department recognizing that people want to see Cole Sprouse in a tight shirt. Which, like, I, I will not complain about that. I, no, I'm no, un- confused times. and uncomfortable with the fact that I find a Sprouse twin attractive, but it is what it is. I also think that... I'm trying to remember. I think this might have been the first episode where we don't have Jughead wearing the serpent jacket at all. So I'm okay with that because there was either pretty much all his scenes were him waking up. Um, You know what? He might have been wearing it when he was playing the game with No, I Ethel. don't think. Not I sure. I don't think he was, but he uh, he could have been. Well, it's them finally establishing that, yes, it is the beginning of fall slash end of summer. And so it's probably hot. And I appreciate that realism. Realism so, watch. A new segment on this podcast. <laughs> that part is good. So we kind of diverge for the rest of the episode into two plots. Plot number one, talk to Ethel and figure her stuff out. And then plot number two, talk to Evelyn and be frustrated that their names are so similar. There was even, sorry, so there's the scene where they talk about how Ethel and Evelyn have been talking to each other, and I really thought they were going to talk about how you, like, they looked similar. And when they, they do. When they, they, didn't, they I do was look very similar. disappointed. Even in this episode, Evelyn was wearing more of, like, a little girly accessory that made her look Yeah, more their like style Evelyn. is similar. Yeah. Their style similar. So, the... Let's go with the Evelyn plot first, because that one is quicker. Uh, <laughs> Betty... Betty goes to the support group, and it's empty and really sad, but Evelyn brought three pizzas, and if I were Betty, I would have just taken a whole pizza home. I would have been like, nah, I don't want to slice, but I'll take the whole pizza. I'll give it to my super hungry boyfriend, Jughead. Yeah, I'll give it to my homeless boyfriend, uh, who doesn't have a job and can't afford to buy a pizza. Uh, but also, there was only, like, f- what, ten chairs there, and she had three giant pizzas, well, you know, high school. Optimism. Yeah. I appreciate the optimism. I don't really understand. Like, we saw a sign for the farm because there's now the support group slash farm chapter here at school. But based on the farm group scene we saw with the adults, I'm not really sure what, like, the support group would be doing with a high school because it's not like you could have a secret telling ceremony with a bunch of kids in school and expect them to keep those secrets. So, and and as far as we know, that's like the majority of what makes people feel close to the club. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is I'm now really frustrated that this cult is called the farm. I thought the farm was a physical location and that they just, you know, referred to it all as, oh, the farm this, the farm that, because it was just the easy representation of of where they were going but it seems that this cult is literally just called the farm and i feel like they could have done better 
there's a lot they could have done better with. Okay, the farm also really reminds me of Nexium, which I've done a lot of research on recently. I don't know if you've dived into that, speaking of the CW. I know a little bit about it, and I do know the connection with your, uh, your girl. Yeah, <laughs> my, my girl Allison Mack. Yeah, your girl. That's, I couldn't remember her name. My girl, so I was just like, uh, I don't, your girl. I don't think, <laughs> yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Nexium, aka N-X-I-V-M, which is, probably stands for something, but I don't recall, is a cult that Allison Mack from Smallville was involved with, and as far as I know, she's still in prison yeah. for a bunch of people got um, branded. Yeah, there was branding, there was sex slavery. Wow, we've just all gotten, we're just in a circle Yeah, full now circle in with the loop. CW. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the talk about Edgar in this episode really reminded me of how that cult was described in terms of, like, you needing to gain levels before you meet the manager boss guy what's his title i don't know leader of the farm um so betty eventually goes home and and talks with her mom and these farm people here's the thing so they tell her that she can't meet edgar except i'm like 99 percent sure edgar's just been hanging around her house and like having barbecues with her mom and her mom last episode or first episode of the season said like hey come meet edgar he's great yeah uh... I just think they realized they needed to add another layer to this plot line to stretch it out a few more episodes. Plus, they definitely need us to believe that he could be involved with the gargoyle thing, which I don't think he is. Just based on the whole parents having dealt with this before, I think these are two separate evils. Yeah, I don't think that Alice Cooper is getting involved with something else that's like Griffins and Gargoyles after what happened the last time. At least... If it is at all related, she doesn't know that. Yes. So they have a little testimony section, and this is the part where I was just getting mad, because the concept of, like, oh, Alice has told her secrets, which involve apparently all of Betty's secrets. Like, it's one thing to say, hey, we killed this guy and my daughter was involved. That's one thing. It's completely different to tell the farm about Betty, like, wearing a wig and webcamming, like, that has nothing to do with her mom. That is just Betty's secret. So, I don't think that, you know, I I would have been more mad if I were Betty. I would have been throwing down right then and there. I think Betty is used to her mom just doing ridiculous shit at this point. Like, what's, what, what else? What else could happen? Well, and it's really hard to view Alice right now because I'm sort of like taking everything she says with a grain of salt because I'm assuming she's kind of brainwashed which we can just talk about this now because we've already kind of talked about it a little I don't care about her and FP being together because she's not Alice at this moment like I would be we know that it's we know that this little coupling has some issues with the fact that their kids are also dating. We get that. It's wrong. But, like, just looking at them as a couple, and if you're forgetting about Bughead, and you just want to concentrate on Phallus, as we all I do. I just hate that the ship names have now become a part of this. <laughs> Too bad. Jump on board. I won't. So, much like with the other things, this episode, like, the second scene of the episode is, hey, look, FP and Alice are together. We had, like, three episodes of building up 
to this spread out through the last two seasons of kind of will they, won't they, let's talk about it. And all of a sudden, boom, they're together. Where did that come from? Like, I know we expected it and we wanted it to happen, but I wanted one or two more moments of, of them, at least in this season, getting to know each other and talking about their past and something a little more than that. And or like at, it either needed to be the first episode of this season or it needed to have some buildup in this season. Or at the very least gotten a scene of them like talking to each other and then they finally kiss or like something happens and then yeah, you see the door close and it's like, oh, they're going to hook up now. We had no reason to expect them to be in bed together because it wasn't an impactful moment. It's like, for all we know, they've been doing, they've been coupled up for days or weeks. We don't know that this was their first time or not. You know, it and seems like it's they, been a while from how they're talking yeah. about it. And there wasn't even, like, I don't think their kids know, but if their kids don't know, then I would have loved to comment of, like, we need to make sure we hide this from the kids. Like, nothing. We got nothing about that. So, I don't know. It was bothering me. Uh, so that's that's the negative side. The upside are tattoos in this scene. Big up. Alice's thigh tat. Into that. Um, also into FP's little tiny jelly bean tattoo that he has on his yeah, chest. Yeah, that's cute. That's, that's a cute little, you know. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some jelly bean at some point in this season. Uh, will we, I hope though? So, I feel like jelly bean's too pure for this dark Riverdale. Unless they make it dark jelly bean. Oh. That, to me, just seems like in Jenny, Lil J, and Gossip Girl, <laughs> when she just puts on a lot of black eyeliner. We'll see. There was also a young, young child goes, uh, goes dark plot line in the OC. Another good time. Wow. <sighs> Could Riverdale good possibly shows. try getting an original thought? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, they have an Oh, wait. You know what? I've just made another connection. Close but no cigar. I've decided that G and G is also close enough, so I'm adding that to the list. Wait. Instead of D and D. Oh yes. And G and I thought G, you were talking about like I'm some okay sort of it. clothing brand and we're gonna say it was like like Dolce and Gabbana and I was like, wait, where did G and G come from? <laughs> no, just the game name. Uh so anyway, that was pretty much the phallus subplot. So we gotta come up with a better ship name for them because that's truly horrifying. There's there's nothing better because you can't take FP. You're either going to have an F sound, a P sound in there, or both, and it just makes it complicated. Could we put the F or P sound at the end? Could it be like Aleph? <laughs> Aleph? I don't think I don't think the internet's going to go with that. I think the fact that it sounds so bad is part of the reason we love it. I hate the internet. <laughs> So the only other stuff we got from that whole farm scene is just Betty's mom very clearly has some past with griffins and gargoyles, but she won't tell Betty about it, and so Betty's salty. Uh, and yeah, the end with that. So now the Jughead part of this situation, this is the infuriating part of the episode, because Jughead goes to talk with Ethel. I like how he's flirting with her. They're having a little flirt, flirt well, thing. Well, because which Ethel I think is, is obviously thirsty for Jughead. Yeah. Well, and in the comics, I'm pretty sure there were a bunch of little plot lines with Ethel being obsessed with Jughead. So I like that we got a little sprinkling of that. Well, yeah. Well, because in the comics, it's literally the entire main plot of the whole thing is Archie having to choose between Betty and Veronica. Jughead, I'm pretty sure, is coupled up with Ethel in the comics. At least, maybe not overtly but they always end up kind of together 
yeah, so I liked that that was in there. Um, we can ship them as Eth Head. <laughs> yep, that's, yep, okay. <laughs> it's kind of like Meth Head. Yeah, we could just call we them Jingle Jangle. <laughs> jingle Jangle. I'm down. So they're, they're cute and he wants to hang out with her. He wants to and play Griffins and-, and Gargoyles and she's like, you have it in you. But Betty doesn't. She can't yeah, come. And he, <laughs> he calls her Princess Ethelene, and it's cute. So they go to play the game, and she asks, would you rather be a radiant knight, an arcane invoker, or a hellcaster? I would pick hellcaster. Those are the options? Yeah, I mean, hellcaster. I, arcane invoker, so what's that? Someone who does stuff with fire? Is that what arcane? What's arcane? Ar- I always associate yeah, it with, arcane like... arcane is with fire, because the dog, arcanine in, in Pokemon is a fire type. Okay, sure. So, some sort of firecaster, radiant oh, knight. arcane means it's I understood mean, by few. Okay, well... <laughs> Which, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it adds up. Yep, me on this podcast. <laughs> uh... And then Hellcaster, which just seems a little bit dark. I mean, I get it. You know, Gargoyle King. The whole thing's dark. Also, from the first episode of this show, I really thought the Gargoyle King was, like, the bad guy. But apparently he's the good guy. And it seems very religious because the rule book is called the scripture. I... So there's a lot of that. I find it so troubling. And also, this game came out of nowhere. I want to know where... Like, how did it come back? Well, I'm sure we'll we'll get some of that eventually maybe once alice tells them what's going on but yeah so ethel wants jughead to drink from one of these chalices and this is the point where i say no i was so no, mad this is not there is not enough stakes here for jughead to risk his life with a 50 50 chance and and i know i know as a viewer nothing's gonna happen to him because let's face it if he drank the the poison one ethel's not taking him to the hospital she's not calling 911 no way like he did so he's just dead, and we know that he's not just going to die because we just had him die, like, four episodes ago in the, you know, penultimate episode of season two. Yes, but what also pissed me off so much about this is it apparently took Dilton and Benjamin Button however long of playing to get to the point where they are rolling the dice and drinking from a chalice, but Jughead and ethel were able to do it in a single evening so if you can play the entire game that quickly why didn't benjamin button ethel and dilton just do it together and then they would have been done i don't understand also why did he need to go through that to get this rule book if she's just gonna give everybody the rule book in a hot sack anyway i don't think she gave it to them i think that's something supernatural because the only copy was destroyed yeah, unless she just had, you know, crates of those to begin with, and she's just a great liar. I don't know. The whole thing it just bugged me. Um, it bugged me that Jughead said salute as he drank. I don't know. I mean, like, say say a salute. Don't just say the word salute. salute. It's like, yeah, it's like saying clap instead of clapping. I don't know. Snap. I'm sure that saying salute is a thing. And I almost thought he was saying, like, salute. Which would make sense. I mean, it would be Spanish out of nowhere, but, you know, there's a lot of French out of nowhere in this episode, so whatever. But according to the subtitles, he was saying the word salute. One, subtitles would never lie. Yeah. It's like when people talk and they say sarcasm, like, to inform you that they're using sarcasm. 
It's not really a thing that... Look, I, I made this up as if this was an example. That's just the thing that happened in Twilight, the book, not the movie. We used to have a friend who didn't understand sarcasm at all. So we would have what we called the sarcastic fox, which was a little hand symbol that we would do when we were speaking with sarcasm because he couldn't tell otherwise. So we'd be like, yeah, you look really cool. And then he would have to see that we were doing the fox to understand that we were being mean. That was great, except this is a podcast, so I saw you make the little fox symbol, but the rest of the world didn't. That's for So you. I knew you were being sarcastic, but they weren't, because your obvious intonation <laughs> could not inform them. Yeah, no, no one gets to know what a sarcastic fox is except for you, but it's the same kind of thing, where you have to have some sort of signal for something really obvious. Yes, so Ethel goes to the hospital, she gets chained up, because... Oh, right, because she drank the other one, the one that had Yeah, she saw, oh, he's not dead? Well, now I can die. Yeah, I, I think in the game, in the twisted mind of the person who's been sucked in this game, that is winning. That is the correct one, the one with the poison. And I don't know if it's like, if I can drink this poison and survive, then I've mastered the poison and therefore mastered the game, or if they literally want to die because they think they're going to another world. I don't know. I also just think that what we found is that this poison, drink, whatever, is not a successful way to end your life. It has a one in three success rate. So if that's the goal, they need to find a, a different way to do it. Well, also, if they were drinking both of them, if one of them is is has poison and one doesn't, how did both Ben and Dilton drink the poison last time? Or did they just purposely pour themselves some poison? Did they have four goblets and we just didn't see it? I don't know. I wasn't paying enough attention. I, I, I don't was know. They're scared both dead when at this it point. got so dark. <laughs> so... Uh, Ethel's taken to the hospital, and at the end of the episode, she appears to have somehow gotten out of her chains, and we just get full-on Gargoyle King in the hospital. Creepy. He still has, like, twigs for arms, so that part's not His creepy, wings but... unfurled, though, and we he is a winged creature. Right. Well, we know that now. Now we know. <laughs> now, now we know. And he doesn't have blood all over his face like I could have sworn he did when he was in the woods. Well, he probably had but... just eaten, like, a unicorn or something. Yeah, I really thought he was having eaten, like, Ethel last time, but then Ethel was still alive. Well, so Ethel is now, like, a full-on witch at this point. Yeah, she's she's definitely... I don't think we're gonna get... I don't think she's gonna die. I think she's gonna be brought back from the brink at some point. I sure hope that that happens, because I want her to feel really bad about all of the things that she's done. I hope so. So, uh, that happens. Um, oh, we had a really hot... F head kiss. Yeah, it was. And by. <laughs> there was heavy sarcasm in that it, statement. It was, <laughs> I, you didn't make a hand signal. How can I tell? <laughs> that was really hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just. It's just adding things. Like, does she care? Does she like Jughead? I thought she liked Benjamin Button. Well, and I, I just don't, don't feel like the actors have that much chemistry. I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to be caring about right now. Like, it's hard to care about Ethel when we only got, like, two scenes of Ethel in the last two seasons that were big moments at all, and she was always a little bit creepy. So, you know, I can't really... I don't think she's gonna die just because I think all the Barb stuff, like, kind of ruined that for this actress. So she's, like, not allowed to die anymore. That's in her contract? Yeah, probably. 
Um, also, here's another great point. Is it, did you take it as being Jughead and Betty are just really bad at wiping the blue stuff off his lips? Or, like, was it magical and it was kept coming back? Like, I thought it was more like, I really thought in the last scene of the episode, it, he was all of a sudden going to still have the blue stuff on his lips. But I just took it as he didn't put in any time or effort to brush his teeth and wash his face because he doesn't have a but sink had... to do that in as he's homeless. <laughs> but he... He definitely had enough time to, like, put on a, a nice all-black outfit, so. Yeah, because I, I think he's just selectively choosing where to put in the effort. But it could be a magic. Honestly, it's probably a lot more likely that it's a magical thing, and I'm giving this show way too much credit. I, it just, like, because Betty was, you know, she called him out. She said, you know, oh, you still have blue stuff on your lips, and then she reached over to wipe some of it off, but she didn't even get it all off. Like, I guess she just thought, good enough, don't care, like him anyway. She, You know what? She loves Jughead as he is, and I think we should all aspire to relationships with that level of love and respect. Aren't you glad that enough couple names have happened where Bughead now doesn't seem that bad. No, it does seem that bad. I'm just really (laughs) restraining myself from talking about it. You were talking earlier, like before we started recording, about the Bughead stuff really bothering you. And in my head, I was like, what the F is is Bughead? Like, is is that the Gargoyle King? Because he kind of looks like an insect. I don't know. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use context clues to figure this one out. Well, that brings me into Fan Fiction Corner, which for today, I'm throwing this in because if you're like me and apparently you're thirsty, <laughs> fan fiction, uh, 99% of all Riverdale fan fiction is just bughead fan fiction. Um, most of it involves somehow Jughead being like an adult, or at least he is described and acts much more like an adult. He's also usually like full on biker gang, doesn't know anyone else. So if you're into that kind of thing, I recommend looking up Tempting Fate by Kayla Rand. Wait, so is is Jughead a full adult and then Betty is still a teenager? No, I mean, usually he's, like, aged up a couple years, so he'll be, like, 19, and she'll be, like, 17 or okay. whatever. I don't that's, know. No, that's still fun. I was just really worried that there was going to be, like, some weird optics no, here. but it's usually, like, he's, like, oh, yeah, I don't go to the same school, or I'm already graduated, and I'm, I'm just a biker dude, and I own the serpent's own leader, whatever, it's run the serpent's, you know. He's basically, like, the problem is he's basically FP, but, like, younger. He doesn't look anything like Cole Sprouse. I say this, this is this is text. He could look like whatever you want him to look like. But in my to mind... To you, he looks more like FB. <laughs> yeah, he does. Except without the beard. So if you want to take a break from this show and dive into some deeper relationships, I recommend checking some of it out. I also recommend putting a really heavy parental warning on there because, you know... Because fan fiction, I assume you're okay. an adult. <laughs> yeah. This is really not helping my argument that all fan fiction is not well, erotic. okay, but you're talking... This is like Riverdale fan fiction is certainly going to be mostly erotica. Because who else is writing fan fiction for this? Nobody. I don't know. There's probably some cute stuff. It's just not what I'm interested in. <laughs> Thirsty so, Mary strikes again. So- all right. You know what? I feel like we've covered everything from this episode. Was that it? Oh, Except for right. the, there very, was one- the very end with the rule book. <laughs> You're right. So they burned the rule book, but it's everyone has it in their lockers. In a- so I'm sure everyone's going to be Within playing Within one it. week, every single student at Riverdale High would have a copy of the scripture. 
Yeah, except, look, if this is the Dungeons & Dragons equivalent, unless it's so magical that, like, I'm compelled, I open it, I want to play, like, no chance that everyone is playing this. At maximum, maybe 50% of the students are getting into it. Because, like, in my, you know, high school years, there was a whole group of us that were really into playing the Settlers of Catan. But, like, that's still only made up, you know, 25-30% of the school probably even knew what it was. So I could believe that a bunch of people are going to play, but everyone's not Well, playing. and the other thing, too, is um, Settlers of Catan is significantly cooler than a Dungeons & Dragons type game. And that's saying something. I don't think that we are in the position to tell anybody what is or is not cool. Well, okay, right here's now. the thing. I was invited, I like played Dungeons and Dragons one time with a group of people. And maybe I was just with the wrong group of people, but it was not fun. Whereas Settlers of Catan, I can find joy in stealing like Longest Road from someone else. And to me, that makes it cooler. If anyone thinks I'm cool, they should know by now that that is not the case. I think our levels of nerdiness are just different. Because I just went out and bought a graphic novel that goes along with the podcast that's about Dungeons and Dragons. So I think you know. I just played Dungeons and Dragons with the wrong people. I feel like I would probably I've never, enjoy I've never it. played, but I think I would enjoy it. Yeah, but I also think I agree, you would really need people you're really comfortable around and can get really into the game. Yeah, I think sorry okay, sorry, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, we also had exactly one sentence uh, from real actual Fred Andrews in this episode where he you know what? I'm giving him the award right now for realist person in this episode. Because he was he was darn real. I'm going to pretend that he's just not been around because he's busy. Because he probably has work. Because he technically still does have he a job. He a company. Unlike everyone else. Right. So, FP. I mean, not FP. Sorry. And Fred Andrews. <laughs> Look, I got FP on Whatever, my Whatever. I called him Frank once. So, it's fine. Yes. So Frank. So, Fred Andrews. He you know, goes to the, the jail and he says he wants to see his son and they say, no, sorry, no can do. And he says, you know, our witnesses, who I'm assuming he means the cheerleaders, we saw that the guards started this riot. Thank you. I'm glad that this was brought back up because this is what I said at the end of last episode. And he says, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. And I assume by that he means his lawyer McCoy. Or his wife. <laughs> Ex-wife. Ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. those are the only two people allowed to practice law in Riverdale. You know what? At least they're female. I do like that we've got some empowered women practicing law. We didn't see either of them in this episode, though. Yeah, not great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not, not great. But here's the thing. Has he even tried to visit Archie before this? Or, like, where was he? <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not when Veronica was. Mm, I just, I don't understand. Like, why can't? Fred and Veronica, like, carpool up on visiting day. And, like, I just don't understand why that can't be a thing. They can both go. They could, but I don't think they're going to. So, we'll see. L yeah, last week we had asked everyone to let us know what your Veronica Lodge name would be. Because we mistakenly thought that was going to be a plot point. <laughs> it wasn't. She's gone. So, <laughs> instead of a... What was her name? Monica Posh? Monica Posh. Something like that. Right. So we actually got two pretty good responses from that. Gregory McBean offered Annabelle Hostel, which would rhyme a little better if it was pronounced Hostel or something. Annabelle Hostel. 
but you know, I, I I appreciate the work put into coming up with another place you could live. Well, and Greg lives um, in French Canada, so maybe they pronounce it hostel there. <laughs> maybe. But I, I appreciate that. And then Amy Hoyson said that she also agreed with us that Harmonica Hotel, which I think was your yes, your option, was pretty good. <laughs> and she threw out Cordelia Cabin, oh, which I like it. doesn't rhyme, but it has the same CC thing. I like that. Yeah, I stand alliteration, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's good. I think those are some great options. Uh, do we have a question that we would like people to send us responses to this week? Oh, you know... <laughs> You could you could come up with a even more pretentious name for the speakeasy. That sounds fun. Yes, can we come up with more fun French names for the speakeasy other than the good night? The good night. I mean, I'm trying to think because the good night, I mean, I guess you're going to a speakeasy probably just in the evenings. That part kind of makes sense. But what if you go and you don't have a good night? It's going to be really hard to tell that story. Yes, it would be. It would be it would be a little anticlimactic there. And it just sounds it sounds a little too cute. I feel like a bunch of high schoolers like it makes sense coming out of Veronica's mm-hmm. mouth, but I don't think it makes sense, you know, I wanna hear I wanna hear an episode where like Moose or someone is like, Yeah, let's go to La Bonne Nuit. Yeah, but that's not how they're gonna say it. They're gonna be like, Let's go to La Bonne Nuit And it's like <laughs> that's not how you say that. Well, that's always possible. I have a I have a pretty good instinct that we're we're just gonna be calling it like the speakeasy, mm-hmm. and or that we're the nightclub. Be saying the name the nightclub. <laughs> I'm gonna be calling it the nightclub. That's for sure. Yeah, because that's what I think it is. Apparently, what are cooler so things the... that they could have done with the basement of Pops? Um, roller rink. It's big. You got room. I mean, you would have like a, you know, one twentieth of a mile track in there, but still. I would love to see um, Cheryl do roller derby. There was a poster in the high school during that little Betty and Jughead scene that had a roller derby sign on it. Like, come join the roller derby wow, team. Wow, I really hope Cheryl joins. Because remember, I'm pausing it, trying to find all the numbers and all the meaning. And there is none so far. Okay, but no, I f- eventually all of the attention that you pay is going to pan out. I hope so. So you can tell us that in comments. You could also tell us whether or not you would want to be the uh, arcane invoker, the hellcaster, or the other one. <laughs> yeah, tell us what your kind of knight. Tell us what your role <laughs> in uh, Griffins and Gargoyles, which I literally just forgot what it was called. For I almost said Dungeons and Dragons. Well, Ethel is also, she's a princess, yeah. so I'm assuming there are, like, three female roles, I guess, that are possible, so you could, you know. There's probably only one female role, are. because it's probably Just the princess. misogynist. You could probably be the princess, or the maiden, or the queen. Mm, yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely nothing so cool as the arcane whatever the heck it was. Other than that. The only other stuff I really want to talk about has to do with next week's episode. So if you are averse to talking about, I mean, it's not really spoilers, but if you watched the 30-second trailer and you want to dive into that, stick around. If not, feel free to leave because I can understand. I I actually told Kirsten to watch it because she doesn't normally want any hints, but I felt like we needed to talk about it. Yeah, I I love famously going in blind, uh, mostly because I'm too lazy to Google Riverdale promo um but I did watch it this week and I don't know if I'm happy that I did to be honest 
there are elements that I'm excited for. Like, I'm most excited for this next episode. So for those of you who watched it, you'll know that it's going to be the parent flashback episode. And Mary was And we had... Yes, we had made some predictions that we thought that the parent flashback episode was probably going to be done by having all of the, you know, teenager actors playing their parents, which has been done before, and it's also very CW. The problem mostly comes in with the fact that you kind of have to suspend your disbelief and assume this is just, like, so you know who they're supposed to be playing, and they probably didn't look exactly like this. Like, Josie's mom probably didn't look exactly like Josie. Mm, Same no, I think they all looked identical. Right, yeah, sure. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but when I look at pictures of my mom, I look exactly like yeah, her. Exactly. That's how uh, genetics work, right? I'm not a scientist. Right, you're just clones of the same person. <laughs> So there were a couple interesting things that we saw from this promo, and that's just what I want to talk about because immediately we watch the episode, they're all going to be answered for us, so we're not going to have any time to make any predictions. So I'm more looking forward to talking about that. Uh, thing number one noticed is that uh, Jughead playing FP, or I guess I guess it's Cole Sprouse playing FP, whatever. Uh, he <laughs> he's wearing the the uh, varsity jacket, so. We may have already known that about him, but for some reason I expected him and uh, Fred Andrews to be a little more similar looking, looking like they were more best friends and did the same activities. But no, uh, and I honestly, uh, if we have to see the varsity jacket, I I like seeing it on Cole's brows. (laughs) It's a new look. It's a new look. Uh, I like that we get some, some KJ Appa with his... Well, it's either his normal hair color or he had to dye it brown on top of the red. One or the other. It might have been a wig. I wasn't paying attention. I had to, like, freeze frame it and pause every couple seconds. I am suspecting it was a wig because I don't think they would make him get him to dye his hair and then have to wait, like, three weeks for his hair to grow back out for their filming schedule. I'm honestly a little surprised that next week's episode is not just called Breakfast Club. Because that is what it is supposed to be. It's Saturday Detention. Saturday Detention with the the band of misfits. They're all so different. (laughs) I'm excited to see, though, whether or not this is what started the Alice and FP thing, or if they were already together before this time, or what. I thought that the whole Alice FP thing was that they were both Southside Serpents. Yeah, and at this point, Alice looks like she's very Southside, but FP doesn't. Yeah, he looks like a little so maybe Archie. She, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing is that she she's the one who drags him into the serpents. Wow, I hope she feels really bad about that because he could have had a I bright just, future. <laughs> I was just gonna make a comment about her being a serpent, but then I realized that's not a thing from the show. That's a thing from a fan fiction. So. Don't read fan fiction until the show is over because it's actually very confusing. Your your mind starts to forget what's real and what's not. How much fan fiction but, do you read? Look, I've had a lot of free time, okay? I like do we need an intervention? Do you need to go to the farm? <laughs> it's very possible <laughs> that I might need to go talk to the Evernevers. <laughs> um other than that for next episode, it mostly just looks like they're going to cram a lot. Like I almost would rather if we're going to get this story Like, I want this story to come from the parents. I don't want it to come just from the flashback and be like, here's what happened. Because I don't think that's enough. Like, if this is the plot for a good chunk of season three, one, you know, 45-minute episode is not enough to 
tell that whole story. Well, and I just don't understand how they can get away with an episode where the plot is Jumanji 2 mixed with Breakfast Club and it's somehow supposed to explain everything to us. I don't get it. And no one's gonna die. Like, we've already had two kids die this time, but we know none of the core parents are gonna die because they're all... Yeah, so they'll just be like rando people that we literally have never heard of because they've been dead for at least 20 years when the show is airing that we're watching now. Yeah. I guess the only real answer we got this episode is that the farm is probably not related to the gargoyle stuff directly. That just pisses me uh, off. We don't care enough about... Any of the couples to really matter at this point. Oh, moment. and we... Except for Cheryl and Tony. We care about yeah, them. Yeah, I ship it. Um, I love their little photo sesh. That was a good that time. That was cute. Uh, the other thing also is that Betty had a single seizure and then, like, moved on with her life. And then apparently Ethel's been having, like, several seizures a day. And they put her on increasingly stronger medication for it. Yeah, lots of medication talk. I was also kind of confused because at first it sounded like Evelyn was helping Ethel take the medicine, but then it sounded like she was trying to get her to not no, take the No, the farm medicine. doesn't believe in pharmaceuticals, interestingly enough. Good to know. It's because, see, if you combined the farm with FP, you would get pharmaceuticals with a PH. No, that didn't make sense. Never mind. If you combine the farm with the ghoulies, you certainly get pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Your, your answer made better. All right. Look, we're wrapping yeah, up this, this is, week. This We've mess just gone over. way out. <laughs> gone way out in the deep end. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And we'll be back next week for episode four. We've been doing a pretty good job releasing on Saturdays. So for the time being, unless... Other stuff happens. I mean, next weekend is the weekend after Halloween, so we'll have to play that one by ear. But (laughs) until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out the Revenge Rewatch podcast, which is a little less silly than this one if you want. Uh, if you want us to talk about a show that's more straightforward and doesn't have as much craziness going on, you can check that out on KowskiCast.com. That's Cal with a K. Kirsten, where can they find you? Can you can find me online everywhere at Kirsten Said What, and I, I apologize for both my words and actions in advance. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's been a yeah. good time. Good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey.